Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show, radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. Um, Benny, I don't know why, but I'm I, you're making me want to laugh today. So I'll, I don't know, or dance or something. We need to do something. Well, that's that's today. a good start to a show. I like that every day. I, I like that. that yeah, too. sure. Yeah, we could just do that. Was it anything yeah, maybe, in particular? I don't know. I think it was okay. the heart opening that I was I, ah. I was doing with Corey just before the show started, and my heart went, oh, there's Benny. Hi, Benny. All hearts <laughs> should do that when we introduce her. Yes, of course. Yeah, they should. All hearts worldwide <laughs> should do that. Yeah. Anyway, so welcome to the show, everybody. And uh, I am the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the greater Seattle area for the last 27 years. And I've got good stuff coming up, as always. You can find out more about me at ReikiOasis.com. Sign up for everything at Schedule.ReikiOasis.com. And um, the day after tomorrow, which is Saturday, November 20, I have my monthly class with women, Temple of the Divine Feminine. And boy, are we going to have a good time because we're under the influence of this great big huge moon and the lunar eclipse, and it's a time of change and Venus is running around to activate our hearts. We'll talk more about that. So I hope you'll join me. It is via Zoom, so you can join me from anywhere and uh, should be a good time. Also, Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, I have Sunday meditation with Loretta. If you can't be there at 11 a.m., don't worry. Just sign up and I will send you a recording of the meditation so that you can listen to it at your convenience or over and over, right? Uh, it's just kind of a, a check-in for you so that you can get centered. And then I do have a Reiki masterclass coming up Saturday, December 11. And uh, you can find out more about that. And also a big shout out to my patrons. I am a listener supported show. And always from my heart tears, lots of big gratitude for um, contributing to that because you also put your energy into this and you are actually helping to get a lot of really great guests on the show and lots of good information out there for everyone to include your own self. So thank you for being part of that community. So my astrology check in all through November, the heart energy of the planet has been on the rise. Our hearts are activated in case you didn't know and that can be good and it can be bad so this is a month to align our heartbeat with the heartbeat of our great mother earth and we can do this by spending time in nature listening to our own heart embracing any heart awakenings that arise and work with the energies of the taurus full moon partial lunar eclipse the beaver moon happening on Friday, November 19th, which is tomorrow. And actually, here in the Seattle area, um, you're going to want to stay up late or get up early. And I'm kind of looking out the window. It is cloudy and rainy here today, but we're going to ask for some clarity so we can actually see the eclipse. It's the longest eclipse, uh, lunar eclipse of the century. And in fact, it's been 580 years uh, since they had a great big long lunar eclipse like this, the eclipse is going to last almost three and a half hours. So here in Seattle, oh, I have little hummingbirds coming behind me, um, just sort of giving us a little thumbs up. But if you start watching around 10 p.m. tonight, 11 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 
the peak of the lunar eclipse will be at about 1 a.m. Friday morning uh, on uh, November 19th. So for you stargazers, you sky watchers, and you people that really want to just bathe in that energy, um, that will be the potent time. And of course, it's not a light switch on the wall. Astrology is not a light switch. They're big planets and big um, uh, sky bodies, and they move around, you know. But eclipses represent portals of transformation and awakening, and they tend to bring fated events into our lives. Fate, hmm, that's a discussion, that help to elevate the evolution and the growth of our soul. And they can set things into motion for us, either quickly or over weeks or months. They help us cut the cords, take a leap of faith and awaken new insights. So the tar Taurus partial lunar eclipse on November 19 is the first Taurus eclipse we have experienced since 2014. It represents the starting point of a new eclipse cycle, which is going to be extremely potent this year, because not only do we have these eclipses going on, but all the planets in the sky are fighting they're they're hot mars is in there scorpio's in there it's there there could be fighting and battling you, you know your head could pop off with anger with emotionality and so this is a time to really be grounded so we're glad we've got that taurus energy to help us but if you want to have an idea about what this eclipse season might be bringing into your life look at 2013 and 2014 and what was happening at that time in your life? Did you evolve during the time period, 2013 to 14? And what changes happened? And how did you integrate them? And on a collective level, the November eclipse is going to highlight relationships in our lives. And these include our relationships with others, but also our relationship with ourselves and with money. And because Venus is so active right now, it's the natural ruler of Taurus and Venus rules over all matters of heart, love and finances. It also rules over what we value and what we find worthy. And I hope you find yourself worthy and a relationship may come to a head or fall away or deepen. So this is a very, very potent time. I, I recommend that you really listen to my guest today because I think that she's probably got some great information of how to na navigate not only this eclipse season, but our challenging life and uh, all kinds of great things. So my guest today, I'm excited to have her, is the lovely Corey Hahn, and I do mean lovely in all ways possible. Corey apparently has always done life her way. She's <laughs> gonna do it my way. <laughs> living off the grid as a young woman in alaska studying with spiritual teachers and soul guides in mexico sri lanka and morocco surfing around the world whether she was seeking adventure sunshine or the perfect wave hmm. her primary perennial quest has consistently been an inner one we're going to talk about her new book rituals of the soul using the eight ancient principles of yoga to create a modern and meaningful life. And Corey shows readers in her book how the eight principles of yoga can help them connect with and start living from their 
intuition. And Corey is also the founder of a community gathering place called the Santosha Society, which is dedicated to travel, surfing, and the soulful. I just love it. Welcome to the show, Corey. Um, for Thank the people you. on YouTube, and of course, we have people live on the air, and I always apologize, you don't have visual. But for the YouTubers, here's, here is Corey's beautiful book, Rituals of the Soul. And um, I really, I love your book. I, the energy of it is just fantastic. Now, oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's nice to meet you today here. <laughs> it's very, very nice. Um, I would like to, and I know you've been doing a lot of interviews, but for my listening audience, could you give us a little bit of background? How did all that is and the universe conspire to get you to write this book? What has happened in your life? Well, I, I fit a bit of everything in there in a way. And so it was, I don't know, I think it had to happen with the first book. It was like, all these stories, how many can we put in there? And even quotes and, you know, the book reads a lot like my journals always did, but I would just put, in, you know, I'd be reading something and I'd always quote down in my journal. And then it's so funny because I always did that because I loved it. You know, I just loved journaling and I loved mm-hmm. writing about my travels and studying yoga. And and then the other day I was sitting here looking in this book and thought, well, it's really not that far-fetched. You know, the book is actually just so much like that. It is a journal of my trips and um, it talks about what I've learned through, through my life as a, a regular average girl, not a special guru with any sort of, you know, psychic clairvoyance or anything I mean maybe a tiny bit here and there but like by no means are we gonna have like some lifetime show about me at this point so it's you know just coming from a really a common story of of our modern times of you know now a single mom I mean I guess I'm slightly you know different because I I do travel so much and live abroad but it's um it's been beautiful. I, I wasn't sure why I was called to write the book. I just started researching things as I tend to still do. I get these wild ideas like, you know, and then you just start Googling and that happened, but it, I kind of became obsessed about it until I, I had an epiphany really and, and realized what I was really going to write the book about and, and wanted to write a book in general. So, yeah. Um, it, it, I have so many questions and I was sitting here going, <laughs> How, how do I do this, right? Because um, I, I'm going to kind of jump in the middle and then I might go back and pull in some information. Uh, uh, a short while ago, sometime within the last year or so, um, I had a woman come to me and she asked, she was ha- asking for help with her meditation practice. And um, I'm not really a teacher of that, but I'm a, a spiritual counselor, right? And, a, and an intuitive. And when I got to talking to her about it, what she kind of said was, Loretta, I'm really having trouble because I have to just sit there and I'm reading all these yoga books and, 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 and forgive me, but she says, they're all written by these men. And she goes, I have to tell you, I'm trying to do it. I, I really am. She goes, but I'm bored. My mind's all over the place and I can't feel anything. And intuitively I started working with her and when I started reading your book my mouth fell open because I don't know the Patanjali yoga I mean I don't have this memorized inside me and some of the things you brought out was it was like movement and dance and and make this personal and and 
start to feel, and I know I've said a lot there, but um, can you talk a little bit about number one, what is, what is yoga, right? What is yoga? And why are there so many forms of yoga? And here in the Western world, I think we're really confused about it. And a, a little bit about the masculine and feminine. And I know I asked a lot right there. So yes. kind of jump in. Yeah. 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 Thank you. And I love that. I can relate with the woman who said that because even when I talk about the meditation chapter, my, I mean, I think that's what maybe what you were um, alluding to. It was, it is, it's so challenging. <laughs> It's so hard. And we know these things, we think we know things that are going to help us. Like for me, for 10 years, I was doing an hour of physical yoga on a mat and then 30 minutes of meditation because I believed that these two things were my key out of it. But they weren't, you know, I, I had to keep, I, what I was choosing, you know, was very masculine forms of exercise. And through my 20s, I had a lot of energy. Maybe that was okay. But luckily I've been, you know, one of my superpowers I'd like to think is, is my adaptability and my, you know, ability to change, but I very well could have gotten stuck in, in something that looked like yoga to me. Um, but at the end of the day, my real personal challenges, I was dealing with that style, those two practices weren't helping me anymore. And so I think it's, I went on a big walkabout essentially, and um and, and then I found myself pregnant. And, and so I was starting, I had started a yoga business, you know, along my journey. And so I was really getting into teaching and that's the, the wheels were turning a little bit in that way. And then I got pregnant and I started doing a lot of yoga nidras and my intuition just started pinging me and sending me to books, to chapters, to quotes I remember. And it was like something else was connecting in my synapsis. You know, I was just relaxing and everything else was just coming to me. And I would come up every time from this meditation and just say, oh, wow. And so that's where I, you know, came to relook at this old text, to reconsider everything I had thought about yoga, because what I thought wasn't working, it wasn't helping. And, um, and so I did, I just, you know, brought my journals out the way I always did, you know, in college or in school and just started researching really and then after a bit of research I did see yoga very bluntly different than I ever had before and I realized it had nothing to do with any physical it has very little to do with any physical practice and it's really a system to understand yourself as a spirit and to understand your truth and um there's eight steps to it. And I call them principles because I think you can look at it like an onion. You can peel them down, but they're also interconnected. But in the beginning, of course, it's easier to look at it layer by layer just as an onion. And so through the, the, the book, I, I explain yoga in that way, exactly what those eight steps mean and how to use them and how to apply them. And so it's true. I believe it's an exploration, a system that guides you to explore yourself through the basis of understanding your intuition. So you might move into there. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, while you're talking, because you, you have a beautiful way in the book of incorporating what I would say, more traditional yoga ideas, but with a, a, with a new, fresh look at it or a, an ability to access it. And your book, by the way, for the listeners, Rituals of the Soul by Corey Hahn 
you should just get it. You really should get it because this to me is like the pathway of life. You know, it's, it's who are we? How, how do we, how do we become ourselves more? Um, and then how do we express that in the world? What, how, how do we do that? Right? Yeah. So I don't know. Um, sometimes people say to me, Loretta, I don't have time for a practice or a lot through the last couple of years, you know, with the um, pandemic challenges, people are like, I feel lost. I feel disconnected. And you bring this beautiful breath of fresh air, like, but all of life is a spiritual practice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a part of it too. I mean, I think so many of us are feeling disconnected and lost and confused. And, and you know, it's, it's funny because the very first thing I guide the readers to do in the book is to create space. And it's so uncomfortable. Same, actually, and then in the next chapter, I guide them to meditate. And that's so uncomfortable too. And then in the next one, I'm like, okay, now we're going to learn to feel. And that's just the worst, like all your past traumas and your inner child wounds and every addiction you've never had suddenly come surfacing. And you're just, it's all difficult. Why? I, I think at the end of the day, the whole book, I just hope that we can normalize that there is a struggle and even you can like learn to call it a name and, and get familiarized, just observe it. So you, we can just quit freaking, freaking out about it. <laughs> we can just say, yes, there's discomfort. I'm still going to continue, you know, doing my spiritual practice, hoping something pings up, relaxing my nervous system, looking at what, my, where my struggle is and, and, you know, that's one of the great things when I saw yoga in this new way, it was, oh my God, this wants me to meet my own needs, essentially. Mm. And even in like the modern holistic psychology, you know, world, it was just like, oh, this is everything it actually has so little to do with the yoga mat. Like I'm supposed to use this to heal my anxiety now, you know, or my hormones, like all these things within me that have been, you know, unregulated for so many years suddenly I could even use that to, to heal myself emotionally, somatically, and also through that process, know what I wanted, know what my dreams were and, and use daily little simple rituals to not get totally overwhelmed and stress myself out getting there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, could you briefly go through what the eight steps are and kind of lay that out for the listening audience? Yeah, sure. Okay. And um, so the it, yoga starts, the, the eight steps start with um, rules. There's five rules and they're very simple. Don't steal, don't cheat, respect your body. And, um, you know, I'm going to go over the yamas and the niyamas, the rules and these virtues quickly because they, they yes. take a bit of time to get into. Yeah, quickly. But there's yes. five simple rules and then there's five simple virtues. And the virtues I like to look at them is, if you can't make a decision, which all of us can't a lot, come back to that list and reconsider your options. Just look at it and say, you know, the virtues are things like contentment, a fiery passion. And it really like helps you to see, is this like a total ego dream, like making $60,000 next year? <laughs> like it, maybe that dream isn't helping you to align with your spiritual self, you know, to fiery mm -hmm. passion. I mean, maybe, but mm -hmm. so that's mm -hmm. just the guidelines. I always say we could print those and put them on the wall. But when the yogis and the text of Patanjali's sutras 
started talking, they said, they started this tangible practice with postures, which has become all that we know of yoga in the West. And that's called asana. But there's only one line in the whole book. And it pretty much says, I think it was a translation of this, to be honest, Loretta. It was, come, sit down and get comfortable. I'm going to teach you yoga. But somehow <laughs> that became... That became the whole thing. Sort of, yes, yeah. the whole thing. But if we keep moving on, as I did through my research, so I said, okay, that's really not a big deal. Like, let's keep moving. I, I sat down, I'm comfortable now, teach me. And that's when the whole system was outlaid in much detail. And so to begin, it's create that space. Come sit down and make space for this. Make space for this conversation, this beautiful, you know, uh, practice, Reiki, whatever it is that you need. But come and sit down and make space for you. And that was the first step, that asana, creating space. And then that would be the third principle, though. So then the fourth principle is to become mindful, to stop running around in the future and in the past, which is what we, our mind loves to do, and just get here for a moment. Like ADHD is like on the rise every day because yeah. of our habits. And so I just think this is really to also difficult to go against the grain, to learn to concentrate and focus the mind. And it's it's such an important first step because if you can't concentrate, if you can't listen, if you can't observe anything, you're just going to be swimming around in thoughts. So this is um, the yogis, you know, knew this is where we have to start. We start with the body by sitting you down, then into the mind. Then we're going to move beneath the skin called pratyahara, the fifth step. Learn to feel, learn to feel things you can't Think, you know, like energy, but also even kidneys, like feel your heart. You can't see it, but it's there working, keeping you alive and really learning to move within. And when you do these first three steps, but the five first system, five first principles of the yogic system, this is how you become intuitive. And you can create rituals, you know, to create space every day to become a little more mindful and to take a moment to feel. And you will start to get the pings. You will start to get the, ah, oh, this is what I want. Or, ah, oh, this is not what I want. <laughs> you know? I, I love those so much because um, you're absolutely right. You know, especially in our, our busy world or, you know, people are running, they're doing their job and they're taking care of the kids and watching the dogs, right? And, and, and chopping wood, carrying water. And just like what you said, just sit down. Just, just sit down and make space and just, and maybe that space is just, okay. But yeah, you, you do have to do that because they, they say, you know, it's in the quietness or in the stillness that you can hear that, that still quiet voice on the inside, which is the intuition, right? Yeah. Was your guide, your soul. Yeah. yeah. Your, your guidance system is in, hardwired inside you somehow. Uh, came with you and uh, and we don't know how to use it um, I find it really fascinating that there's only one sentence about you know all these postures and things and yet our western yoga is all about that you know like I'll do it this way and I'll do it that way and I'll do it this way and and it, you're bringing in what I think is vitally important that this is 
This is about your soul. This is about um, the, the deepest longing of your heart. This is about your intuition, right? This is about yeah. you. It's about yes, you. it's it's a a journey to find yourself through these techniques and and systems and absolutely. And I think that you know it's great every time. I've never like gone to the yoga mat and left just going that was such a waste of time. I mean, I'm always like that was great, you know. Like it's like I tend to sound so negative about it, but like it's just that that's not all. And like, if you really want to use it for what it's meant to be used for that teacher at the front of the class that you don't even know her name and she's having you put your leg behind her head, that's not, she didn't create that for you. She's just kind of moving you and getting you to move. But really, if you want to use this system the way it's meant to be, you would look at it personally as your own guru from your own self and, 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 and quite differently, I think. And that might be moving. And it might be moving for one person really fast and they need to like get rid of their lethargy and they want to feel more active and they can use it for that. Or someone like me who needs to rejuvenate, I just need to stick my legs up the wall for 30 minutes every day. Like I don't need to move on a yoga mat. I am like the most high (laughs) energy person (laughs) on the planet, but I didn't know that. And so I put myself in this high energy yoga for years, but didn't feel any benefits. So yeah, I just think it, it has gotten lost because I don't know, it it was hard to navigate through all the pieces that are out there. And a lot of pieces are yeah. one teacher guiding us on a mat. So yeah, 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 that's actually one of the reasons I brought it out. Because um, to me, you know, when you look out there, and you've got all these different, you know, uh, variations of it, it, it can be overwelming and confusing. And um, I'm just going to say your book really lays out kind of how to set out your own personal rituals and and i guess you might call it your own personal yoga practice something like that right yeah and your own yogic prescription even now that i've learned to see it that way i can use holistic methods to heal myself or to nurture my own needs if i feel my anxiety coming on which it does all the time (laughs) um I know things that work now because I've tried a lot of different things and, you know, I feel the difference from experimenting. And and if at the end of the day, you know, people read the whole book and all they know to do is experiment. Great. Cause you're probably going to pick something that works for you. (laughs) So we're going to take a little station break. And um, my guest today is Corey Hahn, her book rituals of the soul using the eight ancient principles of yoga to create a modern and meaningful life. And this is Loretta Brown. We'll be right back. And so, yeah, don't go away. Energy is powerful. It's all around us, mysterious, full of potential. Directing positive healing energy to raise your vibrational rate through Reiki can change your life. Reiki master Loretta Brown has relieved stress, sadness, anger, and even helped clients lose weight stop smoking, and end sleep disorders. Worldwide, people have sought out Reiki Oasis. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. Hi, I'm Dr. Shelley Place with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Kids are full of energy, but keeping them active in their teen years can be a challenge. Aim for an hour of physical activity every day. If they like sports, that's a great place to start. 
Keep the focus on fun, not winning, and encourage your child to do a variety of activities. If your child isn't meeting that 60-minute goal, gradually increase their activity in ways they enjoy. For more, talk with your pediatrician or visit HealthyChildren.org. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 AM. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. You always pick the best music, Benny. Thank you. Why, thank yeah. you. That's actually Calling All Souls by David Young. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. i got to write it down so I can listen to it. Yeah. So welcome back to the original Loretta Brown Show with my guest, Corey Hahn. We're talking about her new book, Rituals of the Soul. And just get it. Just do it. Go for it. Just get it. <laughs> easy (laughs) it's not a struggle you can struggle with other things um (laughs) so um you used to live in alaska Corey, right and at some point you stepped stepped away from civilization for six months and you lived in a very rustic yurt right so what happened during that time in the yurt yeah well i i left my house which was beautiful and my partner and my job it was the last day of my seasonal job and I just was like I don't want to go back to my house I don't want to go back to my domestic life and so that's what why I ended up at the yard a friend just said do you want to go stay here I mean there's like an outhouse you know I was like great anywhere take me anywhere and so you know, in, in live, such bad live simply shape. live simply right yeah. <laughs> anyway go I had ahead. to get all the uh, firewood for it suddenly I had traveled almost, you know, for 15 years and I was just like, okay, I didn't know where I was supposed to go. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew what I didn't want, which is sometimes how it starts. Moved into the yurt and um, really just sat out in the woods. You know, I had friends that would come and we would go, but for the most part, I really dove into my first time being alone with myself, studying myself using, you know, these practices of yoga and meditation and a lot of journaling. And I started seeing that in the black ink on my white pages of my journal, that the same picture was coming up and the same quotes, like Clarissa Pinkolas is being like, Rome, Rome until you find what you need. And I was like, yes, yes. Obviously that was resonating with me, but it took me maybe a month or two to be like, how many surfer girls are you going to draw in your journal before you realize maybe you want to become one? Maybe you just need a surf trip or something. Like you live in Alaska in the cold. It's not so hard to imagine why you're dreaming of palm trees. But anyway, so I did end up leaving that year and essentially left Alaska and, and came back just to visit since then, but found myself a new life where I went to learn to surf. And from that, someone found me and wanted me to teach them yoga. And from that, I started retreats and the retreats led me to Bali where I met a partner and had a baby and the whole thing just took off once I left that year. <laughs> well, what I love about that is that, you know, before the break, we were touching on intuition, right? And uh, when I read that, I was, I smiled because I went, oh, so your intuition took you surfing. Who knew? <laughs> right? 
and she was so silly. <laughs> and and I'm thinking to myself, you know, uh, like even for myself, the listers, how many times does our intuition tell us, why don't you just go surfing? Why don't you go take a walk in the woods? Why don't you sing a song or or dance in the house? You know, and we go, oh, this is silly. No, this isn't a proper practice. I can't do this, right? What's this got to do with anything, right? Yeah. But you, you somehow through that process came to the point where you were like, I, I call it the burning desire of the heart. I think you use the words fiery passion. So is this how we're led forward then? Is this how our intuition works, Corey? And what is intuition? Yeah, I do think this is how it works. And I think that sometimes you, it gets a bad rap. Oh, look at her dreaming and chasing the dream again. But you know, every time I've chased a dream, I had to grow up into it. I had to walk up those eight steps one at a time and the little bit interconnected until I stepped into that new reality. And that new reality, the whole process was painful. And the new reality, I realized, oh, maybe that's not what I wanted and came up with another dream too. But isn't that, that's the cycle of life. And when we start saying that life is more meant to just sit and be in your comfortable, steady house that you don't feel that gut into <laughs> versus some wild and crazy idea to go just go surf. I mean, it it can be so silly. And even when we start this process, like how to become intuitive, you might realize what you don't want. Like every time you come to the dishes, if you have a teenager and that makes you angry, you got to get your teenager doing those dishes. You know, like something in you doesn't want to do those dishes anymore. And that too is a dream. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like you, that's where you're supposed to make time for yourself or alternate what's happening and and so yeah well, I, yeah and, and and to shift it because i'm i'm thinking to myself how many times um people will say well i i i would like to do such and such right but that's not a reality i can't do that or they go i love this idea of doing that loretta but oh then i just go home and lay down right you know yeah. what would you say to those people well, that's where we start chapter seven, I believe, and it's called Unblocking and Becoming. And it's actually right earlier, I explained the first part, the first five principles of, in the book and at the yoga system, but we stopped right before here. But that's how it happens. So you have a dream. You're like, I would love to go to art school, mm, but art school's so expensive. Yeah. And it's like, that's your first sign of what you're, is holding you back that's your first sign of what your blockage is. And we all do it. And usually as the moment the dream comes, the reason you aren't going to yeah. go after it is there. It's yeah. illuminated. Like, oh, once you see your dream, every blockage to get you to there is, must be illuminated. That's the point of the whole thing, you know? So when you see it like that, and we, we talk about that in detail, actually, and it's one of the longer chapters because the yogis said there were five life lessons and all of our problems, all of our struggles, all of our butts and wins. And I don't think I can fall into those, what they call clashes or reflections. And I call them life lessons and they're fear, craving, aversion, you know, ego, doing something for your ego or merely just ignorance and not knowing. But when you put a name on those things that are holding you back, you suddenly stop letting them guide you subconsciously. Which means you have to, once again, 
sit down and stop and you actually have to look at it look look straight at it right yeah because i think we do a lot of avoidance and and <laughs> and right like oh oh no 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 yeah. no 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 yeah right <laughs> and and i think that also ties into but i don't know what to do about it right so yeah. how i so i just won't look at it so you encourage people though to yeah and i'm saying look at it but you know it's kind of a a, a way of saying it to encourage people to figure out how to come uh, bring themselves together gather themselves up have their own ritual their way of moving through it yeah right yeah, yeah. so when we ask the question um you know what do i want right what do i want then what do i do corey what do i do when you know what you want and you're facing that blockage and and i'm basically pointing out that people should read your book but <laughs> right like yeah. how, like how do we work through it how does how yeah. do, how, do, how does how does it work how do i come up with my own personal rituals Right. Yeah. Right. And, and so the, the book does really take you step by step and hold your hand through that makes it makes it quite easy. But um, it, it, the first part guides you to know that dream. And then the second part, which is really the only action step in the whole in all of eight of them is this unblocking and becoming. And you even use gratitude and affirmations and you realize you observe is really all you're doing. You say, take a look, feel, whatever you want to call it, but just observe your innate natural self. And you'll, and if you understand what the blockages are, which I've explained, then you, when they come up, like, you know, my husband wants to leave me as for example, and yet, you know, I'm petrified of it. I'm so scared. I'm not going to move on. I'm going to stay stuck with him in my mentally right. is a fear of being alone is a fear of feeling the heartache. So once I could see that and say, oh, but what do I want? Focus back on that. I want to be happy. I want to know I'm a spiritual soul. So I'm going to, you know, just stay. That's the work of it. And it's not easy. It's, it's a big topic. We could have our own podcast, probably just getting into that question, really. But yeah, yeah. that the work is hard. But that's part of it. And instead of shrugging off what you're feeling and what you're observing, just let it be there. And even, you know, in chapter four, there was a quote by um, Jiddu Krishnamurti, who was a, a famous philosopher from India. And he said, if you begin to understand what you are without trying to change it, then what you are undergoes a transformation. And this entire system really does play off of that. You can relax. Like every single step of the eight, I pretty much give people the yeah. option. Like you could relax, like, yes. you know, and you don't have to do much. And even like the unblocking, it's taking the fear, seeing it for what it was, is, and just pulling it like a weed. And that sounds easy and it's not. But if you know and you know what you want, you use affirmations, you say prayers, you sing your emotions, you put some intention behind little practices, you start getting this energy, as you would know, just moving mm -hmm. with you. <laughs> I, I love what you said that what a beautiful quote that is too. Um, stay with it, right? Just stay with it. And also, because you said fear, and I was going to bring that up too. like, I think we're often, you know, Corey, we're so in fear, and we get so tight 
and we're, and then we're like, I'm doing it wrong and I have to do it this way. And it's like, just relax, right? Just relax and breathe. And I'm just going to ask you, what's the importance of breath? Yeah. Yeah. It's the miracle drug. And, um, but you're right. And, you know, even relaxing it, like people have been telling me that for years, just relax about something that really upsets me. Or like, you just need to accept it and surrender, you know? And I'm like, I need the step-by-step on that. Like I'm trying, you know, but we don't know how long it takes, but literally you can actually even look at relaxation as a skill. Like, how could I get more relaxed right now? You know, and you tell yourself like, if those dishes were done, well, there you go, go do them and then relax, but actually take the time, sit down and, you know, like figure out how and figure out what you do that makes you relax. And I was even thinking the other day, like just sitting there, like we all go for a one hour massage, but doesn't it seem so opulent to go for like a two or a three, but wouldn't that even be a good practice just to learn to build up to that kind of like opulent self-nurturing? Like, <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, because people are like, oh, no, I don't even have time to meditate. I can't go get a, a two or three hour massage. Loretta, are you nuts? And I'm like, yeah, actually, <laughs> I am. Build up to that. Yeah, build up, build to, up to that. Yeah. But I love what you said, too, about, oh, just relax. Just get over it. Just accept it. It's all good, you know, because people people sometimes are awkward. And I think they're trying to support or say the right thing but <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because I had a client not too long ago and she's saying she's telling me her problem you know with her with her love life that's gone sideways and she goes please don't tell me that I have to accept it you know because I'm ready to run over him with a car and I went well let's deal with that <laughs> let's start right there <laughs> right so um yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a journey it's a it's a lovely journey and um yeah, it's in there. Um, I've got a, a question here. You encourage readers to look for evidence of magic and miracles in their lives. Mm -hmm. So can you give us an example uh, or two of the magic and miracles you have personally witnessed? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot. One of my favorites, uh, it just came to me intuitively. I was totally about to go a different direction with this, but um, I went to India. My husband left me right when we moved here to Sri Lanka and I had this house I was building for my family and I was absolutely devastated. So here I was this dream worker who was, you know, so expert that I had decided to write a book on it and um, found myself, you know, on my knees and completely devastated. So I bought a flight, a ticket to Varanasi and just, you know, enjoyed a very holy city in India for a few days just to get, get myself back on track. And it was really lovely. But when I was there, I saw these musicians, Indian Hindustani musicians, and I listened to them and they do this music that's like, um, you know, it's a form of energy movement yeah. called Drupad. And it was so incredible. And I was so moved by it. And I decided I'm going to learn the sitar. So then I came back to Sri Lanka and I bought this sitar. And two days later, the country goes into like a seven week lockdown. And I was like, not going to find a teacher probably, you know. So just was trying on YouTube, but it's quite a complex instrument. And a girl just messaged me from Bombay, plays the sitar, was like, are you looking for a teacher? No one has asked me since or before. And, and she came into my life and she 
is a college student just doing it because she was bored in a very long India lockdown as well. And she became my teacher. And in that most difficult, isolating time, that instrument, you know, the dream of the instrument was not for the instrument. It was so I showed up with her. I didn't have to talk. I could just play. I could learn a different way of communicating. And she gave me discipline and someone to come to show up for when I most didn't want to. And to me, that was a miracle. But those stories are just endless, really. (laughs) I love that story so much. Um, That's exactly right, by the way. Um, I totally believe in magic and synchronicities. And there's this thing that happens. And and of course, I've been to India and I've been to Varanasi and India happens. You know, it just happens because it's India, right? You know, and uh, I and and it does. It really does. So if we can incorporate more of that into our life, I'm I'm a big proponent of that. Yeah, let it let yourself mm, be led and also be part of that, right? So your desire, you know, helped bring that, and then that was coming toward you. Like we don't know what came first, right? But there you are, and and you match it, and it's it's all wonderful and good. Uh, you have such great stories in the book, and I related to so many of them because I've been to many of the locations that you've been, and I went, oh, she was there, right? And then it's like this this connection, um, you know, because we're having our own spiritual things, but in in those locations, and I I'm a firm believer in sacredness, you know, sacredness of the whole planet, but. I wanted to read something out of your book when you went to Africa. And uh, like I said, we're a little bit all over the place this morning. I hope people can follow. Um, And this is right out of your book. It says the journey in Africa, as well as in meditation, is not to focus on the suffering. It is to make sure the suffering isn't keeping you from dancing when the opportunities arise. Many of us want to learn to meditate to eliminate our struggles, but meditation doesn't get rid of our struggles. It teaches us to be with ourselves and whatever arises, the good, the bad, the uncomfortable, and simply observe these moments as they pass. So can you talk about dancing in Africa? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great. And the beginning of the chapter is I, I take people on a, a travel and, you know, one of my travels and, and this story particular, there was this, we ended up at an orphanage somewhere in Zambia, and there were all these children and, you know, and I saw this little girl and her brother, as soon as the drums come, came out, he was drumming and she was dancing. And so I'm actually even alluding back to that. But the whole story of you know, these children were in such a harsh situation and they didn't, they were all living together with a few nuns that could barely had the money or the means. And yet they were dancing. They were enjoying this moment. And, and I think that's really what meditation does do. It's at first you're seeing all of your suffering, but eventually you start to normalize it. And you're like, okay, so I'm an anxious person. I'm going to quit freaking out completely and having nervous breakdowns about that anxiety. And I'm just going to know it's there. Know there's sometimes I'm going to have to do things to help myself for it. But, and, and I think that's what meditation teaches us that to just accept that normalize that harshness. So we can have moments of 
seeing the flowers as we walk by, dancing when the music comes on, you know, all those joys that sometimes the darkness can overwhelm into. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's important. Um, I sometimes say to be attuned to beauty and harmony, right. Or to become reattuned, especially if our eyes and our ears and our, and our senses have been damaged somehow to, to bring ourselves back to ourselves. So what do you hope that people really get from your book? Um, maybe just inspiration, you know, and to just, for me, it's been really helpful because I was so militaristic in my, in my spiritual studies that I loved having it all organized in a nice, like understandable system. So maybe there's, I think there's going to be a lot of yogis out there that didn't quite get the umbrella picture happening above everything. And, and it's um, even lots of friends who've been studying and teaching for years have had, have written me and saying that. There's this aha moment of realizing that it's so much bigger than what we've been practicing and studying and teaching and teacher trainings. And so I hope that, but I hope most of all, you know, every, the reader can take something and, and really make a shift for themselves. And I know every time I edited it, which was like a gazillion times, <laughs> I was reading it though, as a student and it, there was always some answer in there, you know, so it, it was so channeled. It feels weird promoting, you know, something you yeah. wrote, but it's also something that was channeled. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. I, uh, I, um, I read a lot of books, but there is a tonality to this. There's an energy to it. It's very, very lovely. Um, and like I say, even just holding the book, it, it conveys a, a message and this sounds weird too, but people know I'm that way. Um, it conveys this message of, integrate this into yourself let this let this become a part of you like breathing in and out and um i play the piano and i was thinking years ago my piano teacher said loretta you have to take all of this and bring it all the way down to here and then release it into the piano and let it come all the way back out again and that to me incorporates there has to be some kind of a discipline but it doesn't need it could be playful right it could be yeah you know like i'd go to my lesson and my teacher would say did you even practice your piece and i I was playing anything i wanted to play and then i could play the piece right you know yeah um but there is this idea of i don't know maybe playful discipline or i don't know (laughs) like you know words sometimes don't quite say it but you in this book, in my opinion, sort of release something and it's like, oh, I can do this. This is life. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is life. And we can use it for life different. versus, yeah, any kind of exercise or to, to use it for your big struggles. And I don't think I ever really saw how to use yoga for big struggles. I just thought, if I just keep doing this meditation and this Ashtanga practice, all my anxiety is going to go away. <laughs> now well, I've learned to live with it. <laughs> yeah. Plus the fact we're like, are we there yet? Have I reached Samadhi? Am I there? And it's like, oh no, I'm not. I'm, I'm angry. Right. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't do it. Yes. <laughs> Darn rats. I was so close. And Almost. it's like, shoot, shoot some ladders down. I went, you know, all the way back yes. to the beginning again. Um, so um, are you uh, currently taking people on travels or how can people get a hold of you? 
Yeah, right now I'm in a, in a weird middle ground. Um, I'm just finished my house. So retreats might be coming back soon. There are online uh, meditations, some many free meditations and rich, like online retreats and even a an in-depth program that goes through each of these steps that I take you through, but through meditations. So all the meditations of th- that was the program before it became the book. And I kind of experimented with it that way as well. But everything's on uh, the website, Santosha Society, S-A-N-T-O-S-H-A. And that means contentment in Sanskrit. So um, Santosha Society is, yeah, the idea that we can all work towards greater contentment as Ram Dass says, walk each other home and, and um, yeah, so there's lots of goodies there on the website, and the book can be found pretty much anywhere. Books are sold in all forms, and, and like you said, with the piano, it's it was amazing because I did what I could do with my finger, and then now it's the stage of just putting it out there into the world and the universe, and and that's really fun to watch. And so I I watched on um, you have a, a sweetest little video of your you with your boy and opening the box of the books. And it's so sweet. It's, it's, I just encourage people go check her out, go find, go find Corey Hahn. But mm-hmm. to actually see your, your, see this in print, how is that for you? And know that it's, it's out there, right? The divine yeah. is taking it now. Yeah. It, at yeah. first it was incredibly dip. The, I thought launch week was going to be all like champagne and firecrackers. And then I was like, needed five baths a day to realize <laughs> that I just told my entire story to, you know, pretty much whatever 10 people might read it. You know, it wasn't like it was a bestseller yet, but I was like, Oh, I said everything. Um, so that was a little bit unexpected of an emotional kick in the gut. But after I got over that, now I just sit and I look at it and I'm really proud and yeah. it's coming around and, Learning to ha- have my own voice has been the most powerful part, for sure. Yeah. And I encourage others to to journal and to write because it is a form of therapy, without a doubt. I, I look at my publishing houses at my therapist now. They, I've never <laughs> felt so heard and seen and, you know, <laughs> learn to communicate. I love that. So, uh, Corey Hahn, thank you so much for being on my show. This is Loretta Brown. The book, Rituals of the Soul, Using the Eight Ancient Principles of Yoga to create a modern and meaningful life. Be safe out there, everybody. Be blessed. Enjoy this big, huge moon and this partial lunar eclipse. And it's the time of the heart. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye now.